0: Podcast ain't played, nobody. We're doing the last segment first, because I don't even want to hear it this week. It's going to be Told You So Saturday. Last weekend was Narrative Saturday. I was right, as I usually am. This weekend is I Told You So Saturday. If you thought week two was a letdown, you're probably thinking week seven is an even bigger one. But you're just as wrong. You're always wrong about this.
1: The trick is, anytime you find yourself thinking, oh man, this week sucks, just stop. Just stop right there and realize crazy stuff's gonna happen we just don't know where and that's always the difference like when there are big games to keep track of we we know where we're going with the remote now it's just basically we're on call and we're gonna jump to whichever game gets uh, gets really silly and weird and there will be silly and weird football games because it's college football
0: I couldn't sleep last uh, last night before we recorded this Tuesday night um, <laughs> you're that excited uh no I was actually just couldn't sleep in general I was watching actually some baseball because the this is an institutional plug but The writing of Grant Brisby, our our MLB writer on SB Nation, just makes me want to watch baseball, which is such a powerful thing to say. Um, And then,
1: yeah, me too, and then I do, and then I'm like, okay, never mind, I'll just read Grant in the morning.
0: Well, like, or or I should say baseball that doesn't involve me just screaming about the Braves. Um, And anyway, so I started, uh, I was like, well, you know, I'm up, I'll I'll start looking at the, the slate for the podcast this isn't the – we're, we're going to rubberneck, definitely. There will be something strange. This, is, this has lateral, doink, field goal uh, kind of crap written all over it. But I think there's also just games here that are better than you realize. I think this is maybe the dent sale at the, at the local Sears. But, um, so that's why we're going to do the week segment first um, because, look, okay, first off, there's no game on Thursday except what is there? Did you say there was an Ivy game? Uh, Like Presbyterian versus Monmouth. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Real quick, Bill, just so they can't hear us, okay? That's okay. That's okay. I'm going to finish watching Stranger Things on Netflix because I haven't done that
1: yet. Okay? I think we'll just start a new series of Great British Bake Off since that's basically the only show we watch. Totally okay. Well, the only show that we watched that isn't part of the CW superhero universe that my wife loves so much.
0: Yeah, you got to tell your wife that there's so much built up. There's so many back episodes. I'm getting anxiety. I got to, like, just clear the cattle. January. Yeah. January, I'm calling in sick for a week and putting on sweatpants and going to work, but not really. Yeah,
1: so. Okay. Our our, our cable box completely went out, like, last March. um, And so we missed, like,. A couple of weeks, uh, but, but because of the way she works, she can't. She couldn't skip those episodes and continue, so she let no. the season end. Yeah, no, I did. And I, now you're now it's on choir. Netflix. Yeah, now it's on Netflix. Yeah, so, you and so catch now on, she's watching the back entire season yeah. again. No, I'm okay. there. I'm
0: doing the exact okay. same thing. I thought this was weird, but apparently it's just no. Me. It's uh, okay. Back on topic, sort of. Lamar Jackson, he's a superhero. You're gonna get that okay. on Friday night, okay? Here's what you're also gonna get. Here's what I'm gonna to sell to you today. You're gonna to get a San Diego State team that's kind of fun to watch, and they're gonna beat the crap out of a hapless Fresno State team. Yeah, Maybe I think it's too early for DeRuiter to get fired, but that's definitely. I don't know. It's We're halfway be, now. I mean, nail in the coffin. Yeah, but like, what the hell? Like, you did an interim coach for half a season at Fresno. That makes sense. Okay, <laughs> you're gonna get Memphis and Tulane. Sneaky, sneaky. Okay, Tulane is when they they scored three points in their opener. With Willie Fritz, all right. Then they've won three games. I'm just telling you, coming around, it's going to be sneaky. Mississippi State at BYU. You know something's going to happen that's awful, probably to Mississippi State. You know it is. BYU is nothing but surprises here. Nine fifteen Central. So like you're drunk. It's Friday night. Enjoy that. You just Uh, like uh, enjoy uh, that. Not you, Bill. Go to bed. You know I know. Go to bed. Okay. All right. So it's Saturday morning. Um. In my neck of the woods, you have, um, I'm going to go with a 33% anxiety rating on Georgia and Vanderbilt. Uh, <laughs> Georgia's going to win that game, but there's going to be probably like two and a half quarters of feeling really, really bad about your coaching change. I don't know how many quarters that was the week before, but um, then you got, okay, here's the sneakies. You ready? We got a lot. West Virginia's undefeated, they're going to Texas Tech. They're probably going to lose that game, okay. Kansas State is 3 and 2. Well, guess what? So is Oklahoma. Kansas State is going to Norman. They could probably win that game. What else we got? We get to, this is before we even get to 2.30, Bill. Georgia Southern at Georgia Tech. Bill, do you remember what happened the last time Georgia Southern played Georgia Tech? Um,
1: I remember the last time Georgia Southern played Georgia. Um, I, I don't remember. Oh, no, no, no. That, yeah, yeah. that was like, what, two years ago? Lateral three, forward pass, Two or, two or yes. three. Yes. Lateral yeah. forward
0: pass problem. So Georgia Southern got super screwed out of a win at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's not good. Georgia Southern... Isn't really good either, but guess what? They play the identical style of football. And also, in the interior politics of the state of Georgia, (laughs) this matters because Paul Johnson is sort of like the missing link, or the outsider, I should say, in this kind of fraternity that Kirby's building up within the state because he's very chummy with the Georgia Southern staff, which is kind of a weird dynamic. Southern was always considered the outsider rednecks, and now Kirby and Tyson and all these guys know each other. This has political implications in the college football world of Georgia. Also, it's going to be triple option weird, man. It's going to be good. You're going to enjoy it. Just try it, okay? It's not fruits. It's not fruit salad. Just put it in your mouth. I'm mad at Georgia Southern.
1: They uh, lulled me to sleep last weekend. When they scored late in the third quarter, I went ahead and turned the game off against Arkansas State because i like, all right, they're they're full on sexy Georgia Southern. They're going to win this one going away. Uh, and so I decided not to record it. And then I found out the next morning that that full on sexy Georgia Southern just disappeared in the fourth quarter and Arkansas, they let Arkansas state come back and Arkansas state, who was absolutely brutally bad in the first month of the year, they're going to fricking go through the Sun Belt and win the damn thing again. So I'm not real pleased with that. And actually, uh, I shouldn't say that because they still have to get by Troy, who has actually looked legitimately solid this year. Uh, and that's fun. Welcome back, Troy. I like having Troy back.
0: Next year, uh, I'd say, yeah, by the end of 17, Neil Brown going to get a job job. Um, I don't give Georgia Southern any grief, one, because I grew up a Georgia Southern fan. Um, If you're new to the podcast, I did not grow up an Ole Miss fan. I didn't even know what Ole Miss was. Um, I grew up a hardcore Georgia Southern fan, number one. Number two, um, I met Tyson Summers this year uh, right after he got hired, and he is – The same age as I am. I think he's a month older than I am, Bill. And uh, it's now that that's happening to me. I'm 35. uh, I have a tough time criticizing people who are my age holding (laughs) like head coaching jobs because it really, you know, we all America is a culture that loves to personify and loves to put your you know you project yourself onto everything right to entertainment and celebrity culture whatever but i look at football coaches now and i think they've been alive with the same amount of time i have i i cannot judge this i can everyone has the same like the same color uniform on they got off the bus like that's kind of my bait that's pretty much where i would top out in terms of the level of organization i could bring to a college football team so if they lose in crippling fashion to an arkansas state team they should have beaten they played terrible defense that's all justifiable but i could not do any better so i don't know as i get older maybe i'll just get quieter like i mean what happens to the I start opposite. hiring the coaches younger me. than me
1: well i mean i was gonna say matt campbell just annoys me um, you know he goes out he takes over toledo at like 31 and does well and gets another job and now you know uh, I feel inferior because I mean I am certainly I make a full time salary and it's amazing that I get to make a full time salary doing this but you know Matt Campbell's out here making like three million dollars a year uh, younger than me uh, and better than me in every way it
0: doesn't feel very good feels weird doesn't it <clears throat> feels strange um <laughs> okay afternoon slot I'm just gonna try and crawl out of that little midlife I just, crisis I gave myself um, North Carolina and Miami that's gonna be fun to watch that's probably where something weird is gonna happen okay. One in four Kansas, who should have beaten TCU, is going to go to Baylor. They're going to lose, but they'll probably do something fun to, to watch. I promise. Uh, um, yeah, okay, sure. Did I not sell you enough on that? I, look, you know what? I don't even Well, like Kansas,
1: I will say, Kansas this year does nothing but make big plays on offense, make tackles for loss, and give up 50 points.
0: Um, so that's a really fun combination. So I'm, I, that's fine. All right, we're getting to the game of the day, and it's not the one that I'm driving three hours to. I'll be in Knoxville, I guess, I think. I have a credential uh, for Alabama-Tennessee. i got to figure out how I'm going to approach Alabama-Tennessee and anything that's worthwhile for SP Nation. Um, but that hasn't stopped me before. Nebraska's going to Indiana. Undefeated Nebraska's going to Bloomington. And y'all are trying to tell me this week is bad and not interesting. Do you know the amount of weird stuff that's going to happen in that game? Do you know that it's- Indiana's going to win that game?
1: Yeah, so I think people are really really struggling to accept that that Indiana's pretty good. Like not amazing. Their offense is actually a bigger problem this year than it has been in years past. But I, you know, I picked like last week, oh man, Ohio State's just going to wipe the floor with Indiana. Like it was like they were talking about uh well, Purdue, for instance. Uh, And then this week, I you you said it before we were uh, when we were prepping for the show, and I've heard it a couple times this week. Like, well, I mean, maybe something weird will happen, like Indiana beating Nebraska. Right now, it's the win probability with S and P Plus is Nebraska fifty seven percent. The projections thirty one to twenty eight. Indiana's pretty decent, and they very well could uh, win this game. And and I would, you know, just because of the weird variables going on here, and the fact that neither of these teams are amazingly stable, I would be disappointed if this game was and fun for about eight, one of about eight different reasons. Okay.
0: All right. I want everybody on the record that we told you how awesome that game is. By the way, it's 6 o'clock. Oh, it's just Ole Miss in Arkansas. It was just the best finish to a game last year. It's just that, you ingrates. Texas is playing football, <laughs> and literally anything Texas does right now is controversial. They're playing an Iowa State team that whooped their ass last year. And, they, and actually, like, for one and five, like, Iowa State's looking better. They, they've looked Hello? good for
1: two straight weeks. They couldn't hold on, but that doesn't change the fact that they looked good and scared the hell out of two pretty good teams.
0: Okay. Not even going to talk about the obvious stuff here, right? Mm-hmm. So we skip past Tennessee, Alabama. I'm going to skip past Ohio State, Wisconsin. Could I interest you in a UCLA wazoo?
1: What about Tulsa, Houston?
0: Right? There's no – hey, it's not guaranteed that Houston's going to go undefeated down the stretch now, right?
1: And, and Well, I mean, then Tulsa's in full-fledged, we're going to score 50 and give up 40 mode, so.
0: Mm, sounds familiar. Sounds like last week against Navy. <laughs> I mean, I know. Actually, no one, that, what I'm about to say doesn't apply to a damn person that would listen to this podcast. I know in your casual sense, Notre Dame and Stanford are ass right now. And so oh, that man, that's, that's full-on game.
1: car wreck right there.
0: I mean, I get that. The, those of us in the nerdy know are just going to kind of fly by that game back and forth and go, ooh, ooh, gross, right, in between other commercial breaks. Hey, man, how about a 5-1 South Florida and a UConn team that's trickier than they should be? Huh? Because Willie Taggart's going to be 6-1 after this. You want a little hangover from Narrative Saturday last week? Willie Taggart's going to be 6-1 at South Florida. He's an African-American head coach, all right? He is going to be in high demand. He's been completely overshadowed by the Herman Sweetstakes, and I, that's fine. I'm not trying to judge value against value, but this guy is someone you have to watch. This is good. This could be one of those games. Let me pull up South Florida's schedule. I mean, I know UConn has no sex appeal in that game. Pr- yep, it's on CBS. I can't see it. CBS, you are ass. Uh, let's see what CBS else. we got. CBS Sports. That is CBS Sports Network. Yeah. Um. So, okay. Well, by virtue of the fact the AA the, the the AAC is a series of bridesmaids and never the bride. Um, Tulsa-Houston is on ESPN, too. Thank God. UConn, yeah, because I couldn't watch a stitch of that Navy game last week, and I was pissed. Um, South Florida is not going to have a super fun TV game for a while, but, but after this weekend against UConn, they do have two Friday night games, which you're going to watch because it's Friday, right? They're at Temple, and they have, they're home for Navy. Uh, that Navy game could be salty. Yeah. All right. I, and speaking of salty, Navy fans got salty at me because yesterday I
1: mentioned that um, I was I, one of the I love the numerical because I basically get to you know take a bunch of half formed ideas for posts and cram them into one. Um, and so the big the big hook with numerical yesterday was Alabama uh, maybe, maybe having weaknesses, but maybe not. Uh, but in there, if you scroll down a little bit, you also get I, I just out of curiosity, I pulled the top 10, the S&P top 10 for. Uh, for the group of five to see kind of where we were at. And uh, I casually mentioned that, you know, Houston probably actually I misworded it. That's why they got salty. But I said, Houston controls its own destiny in the AAC still. I meant they likely do because Navy will probably lose and blah, 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 blah. Navy fans come at you. I love them. Um, yeah, they're intense. And, uh, oh, no, no, no. Navy controls its own destiny. Damn it! And so I, I, I formally apologize. That's what I meant, but I forgot the word "likely," and so you know I got in trouble. So All
0: I apologize. A right, couple more sides on this buffet. Ready? Um, Arizona State, Colorado. Arizona State's five and one. Colorado's four and two. If this Buffs thing is more than just what we want it to be, then they <laughs> win this game, right? Yeah. yeah. They, they, they really, really need to win this game. Uh, and and. If they win this game, then the Pac-12 South is just an absolute mess, but in a fun way, not in a trash way, not in an SEC East way.
1: Uh, not
0: completely non-trash, but yeah. So oh, no, You've got to have a little trash in there. It's a gumbo. It's a stew, you know. <laughs> You've got to have some leftover meat, but at the same time, I'm not saying it's not as, it's not as assy as, oh, well, there's Tennessee and nothing in the, in the SEC East, right? It's not as no, assy as last year's Florida. Big Ten West. Florida's going 6-1 and one and going to wreck everything. Yeah. All right. We'll get to that in a second. Southern Miss LSU. Don't sleep on this. Southern Miss is four and two. Jay Hobson took this job as a freaking favor to a university that he – well, it's his alma mater. Um, he was at Alcorn State, survived cancer. Southern Miss was so broke their coach quit because he couldn't get the, – the, the coaches couldn't get bonuses, okay? And this was, like, not supposed to happen. They're four and two. They're salty. They are – they, they look and play, and from what I've read, they have a certain attitude about the old Jeff Bauer Southern Miss, which predates, like, Houston. It predates Boise State. It predates anybody you want to offer up from the MAC as, like, a true G5 powerhouse. This was the old anyone, anytime, anywhere Southern Miss that would be like, yeah, Nebraska, Cal. Like, good good Cal, Jeff. like early Jeff Tedford Cal. Like, come on down. But, as, you know, we'll do two for one as long as you come to Hattiesburg and we can whip that ass once. So that's going to be fun to watch because that Ogeron has been pissed for two weeks that he doesn't have a football game to play. We'll get to that in a second. Boise's 5-0. and Colorado State is a decent challenge. All right?
1: Maybe,
0: yeah. But at this point, I've offered you up 10, 12 items that are going to be way more fun than this. Plus, like, at that point, like, Ole Miss, Arkansas will have just ended – um texas could have lost iowa state maybe um you'll you'll be you'll be reeling to where that's going to kind of glide you down just some good consistent boise scoring a lot of shifts in motions right some fun stuff out there on the turf this is a good week and i'm not going to hear you disparage it not you bill but you the the eponymous listener all right <laughs>
1: I feel better. And if you want to whip and if you want to whip out the laptop uh, at noon it's Central Time and turn on ESPN three and go to NCA and T at Bethune Cookman, uh, Tariq Cohen is amazing, uh, and you will get to watch that. And I'm not at all trying to set up a future piece that I'll be writing. Hey man, s- dude, you got to
0: sell your steak. I, I'm this steak's not going to be I available for Army. a couple. This guy,
1: this is like an eight, This is going to age for eight weeks before it, it, it's available to the That's public. Good steak.
0: Yeah. That's good steak, buddy. That's right. Hey man, I've been plugging Army all year. Okay, I can't say anything. That's true. That's true. All right. Um, Smoke's cleared on that. Um, we just gave you a ton of reasons to watch football on Saturday, which we didn't really need to do because you're listening to a podcast about the minutia of college football. You were totally on board to begin with. Uh, by the way, Virginia Tech's really good, and they're going to play at Syracuse. That's just gonna be pointsy. And that doesn't really matter to the outside world because Syracuse is two and four. But Virginia Tech fans, the more pointsy they get, the more excited they become. Um, that's I kinda gave Fuente a longer I, I was giving him like a two year run. I think he could have this thing going. That also sets. The defense
1: up- has responded. That's been the biggest thing. Their offense probably isn't as far along as I anticipated, honestly, but their defense is full fledged Virginia Tech defense again. Uh, and that's bought them some that's bought them some time, and last week their offense stunk, but it was kind of
0: in a hurricane. So we'll hang on now. Plan. Hang on, A little real real time work planning, and I'm not joking. Uh, provided they take care of business in Syracuse, which we all assume they will. Next Thursday, they're they've got Miami at home. Yeah, Thursday night in in Blacksburg. I'm uh why not you why don't you uh, vamp for a second, Bill? I'm gonna fill out a credential request real quick. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Do you think Virginia Tech, uh,
0: who loves you, would uh, would approve that credential request? Yes. Yes. I have it on good authority that actually the SID is going to let me run out of the tunnel to enter Sandman. Now, I don't know. <laughs> when we discussed that, I don't know if it was like I go there at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday in February and I just get to run out of the tunnel like with Inner Sandman playing on my phone while like people are like leaf blowing and cleaning the stands or if like I get to go with the team. Also, like it would be horrifying just from what I've seen on television. It's a pretty tight, narrow tunnel, and for me to keep pace with a bunch of dudes that are actual athletes, that's terrifying. Um, I ran. Now, are you going to be
1: wearing those? Are you going to be wearing those boots, or are you going to be probably, wearing like? I mean,
0: probably.
1: You know, oh man! I'm
0: a running running in those. Uh, I actually about those boots. I had those boots and a and a full suit on when I went out of the visitors tunnel at Ohio State a couple years ago when I was embedded with Cincinnati. I didn't really. I wasn't trying to do anything funny. I was just – I, ca- I was capturing, like, video and a couple photos very quickly to put into a long form, and when you come out of that tunnel, it's very narrow. And I, I had, like, running football players in front of me, behind me, and on my sides, and I was like, oh, God, this is it. This is how you get trampled to death. This is how you get trampled to death, even though you're 6'5", 230 pounds. So, Bill, what the hell is going on at LSU in Florida? I mean, I wrote a piece, but I just had to I get – I was about to say,
1: you, you know all the details here. I only know the math.
0: Right. right, let's start with the math. Let's start with Jack. the math. Because once again, you dick, uh, all of us in journalism go and write these pieces where, I mean, in my case, it's always fun to just to, like, if, I, if, if I'm, I'm always arm wrestling with the SEC, metaphorically, sometimes, literally, if I get drunk enough in Birmingham, um, and, and when you feel like you've got that leverage moment, it's always nice to just kind of just lean in and push them down real hard. Um, we just haven't seen behavior like this from the SEC. This is so yeah. Big 12, it hurts. And yeah. I, I meandered about 1,300 words of some journalism and a little bit of commentary um, and got to the bottom of that in my column yesterday, where basically said, this is just not behavior that we have any precedent for in the Southeastern Conference because Mike Slive kept the peace amongst the superpowers. Sankey faltered. It was – probably we don't even know the circumstances of what goes on every day as commissioner for a conference like that so i wouldn't say it's the first time he's been tested because he's been there for a while there's a lot of things have gone on behind the scenes right um but this was a big test that he he whiffed on and you don't get a lot of circumstances like this the other point of the column was this isn't just an argument about money or football both of these schools involved got to sort of invoke the moral high ground, and that makes for some – that makes for bad journalism. It makes for really bad opinion columns in newspapers. Looking at you, Florida. Um, and when both fan bases oh, think man. they
1: have the moral high ground, oh, that's when things get really bad. Even when – in this case, I mean they kind of do. Look, look, I don't know the details of um, why Florida was very adamant that they wouldn't be able to like, play the game on Sunday. Um, or anything like that. So you know, we want to we want to go that. Say, why didn't we play on Sunday afternoon like South Carolina? Fine, let's you know, let's talk about that. Um, but the you know the, the idea of postponing the game to begin with, it, you know, this was, this was a freaking hurricane and the forecasts were, I don't know if the hurricane actually matched the forecast, but it came really close. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they, they postponed the game to begin with fine. I mean that, uh, that, that this is all turning around into a Florida skirt kind of narrative drives me crazy because it just, it, it, it boils actual human things down to, you know, who's got balls Yeah. and, um uh, and you know, LSU scur because they're not giving up their home game. They don't want to blah blah blah. Even though, as you pointed out very well in that column, uh, there's reason for that too. So there's very there's very human reason for that. And so I, I, I you know, this is the fact that it it got there. Um, I mean, a it's very predictable because this is college football and this is the SEC, and it it all comes down to you know testicles in the end. But, um, you know, even beyond that, like the, the the public bickering, the fact that Florida got very pissy in the statements they were making right afterwards and the fact that LSU then said, OK, well, we'll get pissy, too. Um, yeah, it was it was odd. Even even in the Big 12, the bickering is kind of like secondhand stuff. We don't usually see it that directly. Um, and it didn't really because both teams probably had very because both teams probably have very solid reasons or at least decent reasons. Uh, for where we are right now, it's we're halfway through the season and there's a hurricane and there's only so many open dates. Like it, it, this is going to be tricky. And I, I loved it. My I got to point out, uh, Jason uh, took out the embed because, you know, having like a 700 word intro that has nothing to do with the story isn't very good writing. But I couldn't help myself. Um, <laughs> I, I pointed out that, you know, it, it, until the mid 70s, like it, the SEC was just basically who, who are you going to, you know, who, who do we want to schedule this year? Um, and you know, so t- who was it like Georgia and Mississippi state? Some, there are accommodations there t- teams that have been conference mates for basically a hundred years now that have barely ever played. Oh yeah. No, um, I can tell you as an
0: old Miss graduate, uh, Georgia and Florida specifically are like weirdly absent from history.
1: And so, um, you know, this is, this, this is not that weird to have a, a conference decided by a half game. And I, I pointed out like the punt, Bama a punt from 72, one of the more famous, uh, Alabama or Auburn results ever where Auburn blocks two punts for touchdowns in the fourth quarter and wins 17, 16 um, that was, they ended up tied in the loss column. They both ended up with one loss that year, but Alabama won the conference cause they were seven and one instead of six and one. So first of all, if we're going to have Armageddon, I want it to be because LSU beat Alabama with two punt blocks in the fourth quarter. Cause I like that symmetry. But um, mm-hmm. it just it happens like we're, we're, we're freaking out and talking about Armageddon in this situation. It's basically and I understand if you're Tennessee and you're desperate to be back, um, this is a big deal. But at the same time, in this scenario for Tennessee, where they fi- they finished six and two and Florida finished six and one, um, you, you lost twice. It's not like it's going to keep you out of the national title game. So at the very least, like, be mad. That's fine. But this isn't going to, like, this isn't tearing at the fabric of our sport. It's just, it's it's an old fabric. We've been here before. We used to be here all the time.
0: No, I, I would agree with all that. It's just that, um, I mean, when, when you, when the headline went up on your piece this morning, I, I kind of laughed and figured that the actual mathematic, you know, the the, the hard number probability wasn't going to be, Significant in terms of wrecking the SEC. I mean, also I don't think anybody expects Florida or, or LSU to 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 not no. lose again.
1: I mean, that's well, Florida, Florida, it's actually they have a better chance than I thought. I hadn't realized what they had left. They basically South Carolina and Missouri at home, Georgia and Jacksonville, and at Arkansas. Now they'll probably lose at Arkansas, or at least in my head they'll lose at Arkansas. Arkansas has to turn it on, though. They're not great right now.
0: Um, Florida does hate a road game that's more than like right. eighty miles, so.
1: Right. So, um, yeah, the odds of them winning out aren't great to begin with, um, and, and the odds of LSU winning out are very small because, I mean, they've – well, they've got the SEC West. They've got at Arkansas at A&M. They've got Ole Miss in Alabama at home. That's brutal. Um, my I would Bill Z's dad that, that I
0: used in, the, used in the interview with Ed Ogeron, I said – I didn't even try it. Normally sometimes I'll be like, hey, uh, like whatever coach I'm talking to you, like are you familiar with advanced numbers? This isn't an insult to Ed. <laughs> I just had a limited amount of time, and I did not want to try and whip out a whiteboard and talk to Ed Ogeron about, you know, uh, run. I'm trying to think what, what, what's your most obscure stat. Um, or he, I really just didn't even want to explain advanced analytics to him at all. I, just, I didn't want to go there. But I did say you have games against – I mean it is the – I wrote about this the week before – he it's the greatest eight-game audition in the world, and he's pissed that he lost one of those those footholds. Right. <laughs> I mean, they legitimately – I talked to a lot of LSU people on staff this week. Um, well, I talked to a couple people a lot of times, I should say. And there was – and so when I say stuff like they really thought they were going to win, well, I know you're probably thinking in your head, well, of course they told you that. That's not always the case, okay? <laughs> All right? I think one of the anxieties that Tennessee had when this news broke was – they knew they were headed into a tough environment at A and They probably were going to lose. They certainly coached to win the game, and and hey, it was a great game. They they came back and they did their Tennessee thing, and it almost worked again. But they still sort of know what the probability is, and they know what the, how they feel about their individual matchups. There's a lot of stuff they're just never ever going to say anywhere other than very very privately. Same goes for this week against Alabama, for obvious Tennessee Alabama reasons. So that puts them with two losses. Okay. But in LSU's case, even with an interim coach, even with their Purdue quarterback, all that stuff, they really did think they were going to go in there and win the game. They thought they were going to go in and make a bigger a bigger statement than they did against Missouri. And I'm not talking about score difference, but just more the fact that Florida has more prestige as a name, and that's something that people would notice. Also, and Florida's Florida had what one loss going into that game, so
1: right. Florida's good. We 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 completely write off florida now because of what happened in the second half and because they were playing with a purdue quarterback the last couple of weeks but they they don't have to play that purdue quarterback again del rio's back and that defense i, I put together the stats for rock m uh for a preview of the florida defense uh, earlier today and so you know in 10 passes josh dobbs w- was unconscious completed eight of them for like 200 yards and four touchdowns okay um the rest of the season, the other 274 minutes of the season so far, Florida's pass defense has allowed a 35 percent completion rate, with zero touchdowns and eight interceptions, and a 58 passer rating. Um, they have dominated on defense, and when Jeez. they've got a play action, uh, p- play action potential, um, they're at least competent on offense. Uh, they're a good team, and so um, they're, a good,
0: they're a great defense and a good team.
1: Right, exactly. I'm not going to pretend their offense has, like, massive top ten potential or anything, but it's not incompetent like what we saw against It really
0: takes – it's like getting getting hit by a skunk. It takes, like, 50 showers to get Will Muschamp off of you (laughs) because we're a year (laughs) and a half and two and a half recruiting cycles out of Muschamp, and damn, this looks like a Muschamp team.
1: Yeah, and so, like, I I definitely don't think of them as the top ten team that my numbers do. Um, but I think of them as a top twenty team for sure. And so, if LSU was able to, if LSU played like they did against Missouri, they would have gone to Gainesville and probably beaten them. Uh, it's different now. There's film on LSU. They kind of Florida would have known the changes that they, the kind of tweaks that they made uh, against Missouri. That Missouri was just flat footed on the whole first. Okay, well, the whole first sixty minutes. And um,
0: so, I mean, in terms it, of it, a passing it, offense, though, they're really not going to. I mean. Florida's not going to see aggressive passing. Gosh, no. I mean, Georgia may be in flashes, although I think right. they're going to be able to knock. Georgia them. when they're down. When Yeah, I think they're, they'll be knocking Georgia off balance to a point where you're not going to have to worry too much about that. They may put up some yardage in comeback time, and then that's sort of it until whatever FSU is on Thanksgiving. Not Thanksgiving. I mean, Missouri's going to
1: pass like crazy, but I just don't think their receivers are ready for Florida's defensive backs yet.
0: Yeah. Uh, well... Is this one of those things to where Missouri sneaks in and just and scares the crap out of a a more talented team because of all the uh, outside stuff?
1: I would say Missouri has a better chance against Tennessee than Florida simply because I think their offense could go a little bit. Um, They're just not. I mean, Missouri's Missouri's offense has improved dramatically from last year's absurdly awful offense. Um, but they just they, they proved that you know these freshmen and sophomores they had last year in the receiving core now freshmen sophomores and juniors um, and they just they weren't ready for Tre'Davious White you know they weren't they they struggled with West Virginia's physical coverage they definitely struggle with LSU's they'll probably struggle with Florida's I think they could find more room to run on offense against Tennessee even though Tennessee's offense is also better and that's why Tennessee would probably still win um, I would say they're more likely to scare Tennessee than Florida
0: going through um, because people have been asking me what is the solution for LSU Florida. Um, I didn't address solutions or propose things, nor did I try and assign blame on a, on a battle of pearl clutching because that's a disaster, no. a terrible endeavor. I've seen a lot of Homer media on both sides. More so, I mean, honestly, if I had to call a spade a spade, way more so on the Florida side. It was ridiculous. <laughs> also, you can't accuse – there's like one community in the world that you can't accuse of being insensitive to a hurricane, okay? Yeah. And that it's that one. So don't be a dumbass, dumbass. Um, yeah, no, that's
1: uh, – you know, I, I, I think Florida had very good reasons for doing what they did. I think LSU has very, very good reasons for not wanting to give up a home game. And when you accept those two things – then, yeah, you need like four, at least four SEC programs to move their schedules around. And th- it's the SEC. And you've been planning on your, on, on your tailgates and your home games forever. Um, it's really hard to ask anybody to do that. I just think that the biggest issue here is that um, this happened in early October, not early September, where like when a lot of the hurricane stuff kind of hits sometimes. And it just left no flexibility whatsoever. All
0: right. Uh, this is off the cuff. And I haven't worked out the logistics But I just didn't want to be the, like, the, here's what you should do, like. Right. This play, is the play obvious play solution. column. Uh, November 19th is a bad idea, okay? LSU really does not need the money. They don't want to buy out that contract. They, and, and also, yeah, they don't, they, they don't want to play three road games in the conference in 12 days. I mean, nobody does. That sucks. Um, and that's okay. Uh, Florida doesn't want to probably lose the game. Uh, doesn't want to have it. Uh, I mean, I don't think a neutral site's in the question now, but they talked about some sort of Jacksonville thing. Um, I mean, given the state of – the storm hit the eastern side harder. I don't see how that makes a lot of sense. But I think you should play December 3rd. I think that you – have to take the authority as the SEC and also in a way you can do this without saying it, admit your fault in this matter because what everyone asked me, well, what should have happened? Well, what would have happened is what should have happened. And what would have happened is Mike's live coming in and just finding a way, probably moving the game to Baton Rouge and telling everyone to shut their mouth. Or yeah. the second thing is playing the game at Gainesville Sunday night would have been yeah. the second thing. So it I, neither of those two things happened. Obviously we can't go back and fix that, but, what we can do is play that game on December 3rd and we can push the SEC championship game to December 10th and double header and CBS has the rights to it and you create a double header move the SEC championship into primetime and go army navy now here's why that won't happen there's a couple things you got to get ESPN to really really get on board with this Okay, because the meticulousness with which the playoff is pitched to the media doesn't really go public. I'm already getting pitched about the first... You see, the first or the second night that rankings come out, I'll be doing something in conjunction with ESPN to promote that and their analysis. And it's just, you know, ESPN is the machine that you have to work with in college sports at a certain point. We criticize them a lot, justifiably so. We also highlight their good parts, like you know, Reese Davis, we did that, and we'd talk about, oh, the Clemson thing, right? I wrote about that in my column two weeks ago, how that was cool. Um, You would have to have ESPN change a lot of stuff, delay the playoff rankings, delay the playoff selection, change their marketing because it's a week without it. Uh, CBS would have to do the doubleheader with Army-Navy and then the SEC title game, and that's also the night of the Heisman. So, this tells me that that's too many things for people to be yeah, okay I don't with. See
1: that. I, I don't see that happening. The
0: only way I, th- I could see it happening is if you maybe put the title game at noon and then you push Army-Navy back an hour and you just go doubleheader on CBS. CBS would probably love this. They don't want to lose the inventory on the third, but they wouldn't. Ah, ooh, here's a good question. Who had rights to that game? It was, this, it was slated. The LSU-Florida was an 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN. I think yes. so, yeah. So that's another thing you would have to work out is who gets the inventory rights to that game. I would. I was just assuming, I mean, you'd have a doubleheader on the 10th, but then when everyone else is playing their title game on the 3rd, you would put LSU Florida on. Um, gosh. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. ESPN would probably balk on it, maybe hand it to CBS if they could get it, if they could then the following week keep the Heisman in prime time away from everything. Um, and the thing about the Heisman is, you always have it on Army Navy because, you know, remember like last year with the whole Keenan like Keenan Reynolds thing? Was like was he gonna fly up there if he if he made right. the final cut? Da da da. That's so rare. It's it's a hell of a lot less rare that like Leonard Fournette well, he's been injured. That's probably not gonna happen. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a situation. Yeah, nobody's
1: gonna be nobody from
0: L S U Florida. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Bill. We screwed up. I'm thinking of the L S U Florida game. That would be played on the third. The Heisman's on the tenth. Oh, oh, oh. So that right, would be an right, right, Alabama right. potentially like an Alabama, Tennessee or you know, an LSU-Tennessee or something like that. So, so you would have a much higher probability of a Heisman nominee being in that game.
1: Um, actually, I mean, pos- higher probability than LSU-Florida, but I actually can't think of any. I don't think that's going to happen. Does Alabama so. have a running back this year? Um, they kind of discovered one, but a little later. I okay, he'll be in
0: New, New York. <laughs> that's how that stupid, stupid ceremony works. Um, yeah, so I get it. It it sucks. I mean, I'm, I'm. I think it's
1: too many things. I think that's too, too many variables, yeah, too Because you're asking at least you're at least bumping Army Navy a little bit, which probably impacts like whatever pregame whatever stuff that they have going. Um, and then you're bumping you're bumping Atlanta. You're asking Atlanta to do something different, which they they I'm sure they could. Uh, all this could happen. You're right. But I think that's probably too many variables to to pull off. Uh, they've got two months. I feel like I'm being very defeatist here. I've kind of already no, accepted not, that I no. out this game. I, I've already accepted that this game's not going to happen and that, you know, there's a chance there's a half game victory in, in one of the divisions, m- much more likely the East than the West. And I've, I've kind of, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm sure if, if Missouri was involved, maybe I'd feel different, but I don't even think so. I think I'm, I just it, it's stuff that happens. It was a hurricane.
0: I mean, I think they're. I think the league is quietly cheering for both of them to lose right now. I mean, yeah. LSU. And they probably
1: will. I mean, there's, there's, again, there's even if even with my numbers that love Florida way more than I do or any eyeballs do. There's still only like an eighteen percent chance they that this scenario plays out. Uh, so if with 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 numbers that don't like them as much, you're talking ten or fifteen percent, and that's that happens. I mean, that's like rolling having a die and rolling a one. Um, but it ha- that's that's still not likely. But
0: well, you want to watch the world burn. You cheer for LSU to win this weekend yeah. to beat Ole Miss and then to beat Alabama and then still have that game not played nor rescheduled and right. and with oh, a, a one loss Alabama figure out figure out how fast they can curry favor with the league and figure out how pissed <laughs> off they would be. That's, yeah. that's actually the real doomsday scenario, only because then you've angered Saban. And I'm not feeding into a conspiracy theory when I tell you that Alabama Curry's favorite with the league like no one else. It's a fact. So that's probably your worst-case scenario in terms of optics um, because then you could get into a situation in which they don't reschedule the game. Alabama's left out. They start politicking as a one-loss team for the playoff. Um, I mean, this thing could get ugly. Having, let's say the – all right. Here. You ready for this, Bill? Here we go. Here we go. Tennessee has a loss. They lose yes. to Alabama this weekend. They go to the they go to the conference title game at ten and two. They beat whoever that is, an LSU team that beat Alabama, let's say, or Ole Miss or something. It won't be Ole Miss. It would be yeah, Okay. And then you have Tennessee in the playoff, but they lost to Alab they lost to a one loss Alabama team. Or the playoff has to pick between an SEC champion 10-2 Tennessee or a one-loss Alabama that didn't make the conference championship because of this in their minds. But also, don't kid yourself, Bill. I know this for a fact. People will start leaking this out to reporters on the local level about, well, LSU was fresher. LSU didn't have you know the, the, the body glow theory. That will happen from coaches. That will 100% happen, okay? So there, I just burned down the Southeastern Conference. Is there anything else you want to talk about this week?
1: I, Well, yes, um, very important matters. Uh, but I really – I'm, I'm picturing that scenario, and that, I think that's the one thing the committee can do that I would just absolutely – I do not value a conference championship as a prerequisite to – I think conference title bumps are silly. I think your 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 resume, your record, et cetera the, your statistical record uh, is what it is, and and in this scenario, Alabama would probably be first in my rankings, first or second, uh, first, you know, first, second, third in the polls, uh, whatever. All these different things, but because of this arbitrary thing where the team they lost to uh, was was really good, but then they lost to this other team that Alabama, and and so I think your scenario is at least semi-realistic, and I hate it. I hate that we that we might go that route with the conference title, but. So to speak. But we're not there yet. Like I like I always say about the committee, this is a Supreme Court. Once we have precedent, we know. Uh I, I we don't know that the committee will do that, but I fear they might and it and it I don't disagree anyway.
0: with you about the title games at all. But I do find it funny that the title games have such weight and importance now. It really is I mean, other than the television revenue is the number one with a bullet reason that the Big Twelve is considering expansion. And then a right. you know, one B or one C is Part of that, and part of that revenue comes from inventory, and part of that inventory comes in a, a title game that you can get a title sponsor for, and you can get a partnership with at a neutral site and make more money, like the Dr. Pepper Southeastern Conference Championship game at the Georgia Dome. Uh, I don't know why they... I mean, I do know why. It's money, and it's another weekend of television inventory. So that is why. But I, I don't disagree with you that conference title games have suddenly become disproportionately important. Right. But they are. In a well, and even without, a, even without a conference title game, like, we were,
1: um, you know, just a conference title period seems to matter, too. So, I mean, of course, that means I'm talking about the Big 12, I guess. But, uh, but no, I just, I, I think that's, your, your record is your record and adding some artificial little boost because you won a conference, despite all this other context. It's in, anyway, more important matters, um, Eastern Michigan.
0: There's transitions, and then there's just hitting the wall.
1: So um, I wrote here. I, I pulled up my 2016 Eastern Michigan preview. Right. Um, <laughs> when we were talking about going to we're going to Ymsilani and then we just completely you know chickened out. Okay, it is, is um, the
0: spirit of the show that you get me away from talking about one of my favorite things, which is why the FCC has screwed something up, and those haughty <laughs> bastards have have tripped on their own penis. But I'll go with it. We're selling we Sel- on Eastern Michigan.
1: We have crossed forty minutes, and we have two more topics before bingo. So we got to move. Yeah, all right, here. let's go. Cool. Here's from, from the from the Eastern Michigan preview that I wrote in April. Chris Creighton is beginning his third year in Ypsilanti. EMU has long been one of the more hopeless programs in FBS. Even in a conference loaded with parity and potential upward or downward movement, the Eagles have consistently struggled. They haven't finished above five hundred since nineteen ninety five. They've only re- really come close once, uh, six and six in twenty eleven, with two wins over FCS opponents. Uh, they haven't been to a bowl since 1987. From a 20,000 foot view, the reasons are unclear. EMU's revenue isn't any better or worse than the rest of the MAC. In fact, in USA Today's most recent totals, EMU's $30.1 million revenue was third in the MAC. Uh, And while the Eagles' facilities aren't amazing, they appear at first glance to be competitive within the MAC. EMU's issues seem to boil down to hires and intangibles, a quote-unquote winning culture, if you will. A school like NIU has it. Creighton has thrived at little schools with minimal history. He twice reached the NAIA playoffs in four years at Ottawa and reached the Division II playoffs three times at Wabash. Six seasons at Drake in the FCS Pioneer League, produced six winning records and and shares of two conference titles. The EMU would be attracted to a guy with a 139-46 record at overlooked mid. Western schools do, it made sense, but that doesn't mean it will work out. And through two years, it hasn't. Creighton has come to in, can't, Creighton came to Ypsilanti having never finished below five hundred. He's three and twenty-one so far. His team took a step forward in twenty fifteen, but only on paper and only on one side of the ball. Uh, they fell from two and ten to one eleven, but improved from one hundred twenty eighth in SP Plus to one hundred twenty first. Uh, there might be hope if experience and depth are keys to a third year jump, then EMU will have a lot of it. The Eagles return their starting quarterback and explosive sophomore running back for top six receiving targets. Every offensive lineman, they're loaded with juniors and seniors at every level of the defense experience doesn't perfectly equate with talent, is, but is a prerequisite for a leap. So since the season started, uh, that returning starting quarterback got suspended and missed the first couple of games and didn't come in, I think, until late in the third game. Uh, that explosive sophomore running back got hurt, and they are four and two uh, with a, with two more projected wins on the schedule. With an eighteen uh, with a twenty four percent chance of finishing at least eight and four. Mm. Um, eight and four. Eastern uh, Michigan. Eight and four. Eastern Michigan. Uh, there's a one percent chance they can still finish ten and two. Good God. Chris Creighton, national national damn coach of the year. Good God. Now, I mean, they just. They just lost to Toledo. Toledo's good, but and, but even against Toledo, they were uh, competitive on offense. They only lost thirty-five to twenty. That's a team they would have absolutely lost fifty-five to ten to in previous years.
0: Um, they're in the same division in the MAC as Western, right? Yes. Um, so they they couldn't make a run really in to like get to the MAC title game. That wouldn't happen. And they already have one, yeah, one, one conference loss. So probably, I mean, could happen. Probably won't. Where yeah,
1: does They have, have to beat Western. They have to beat Central. They play at Western, too. That's the by far the most likely loss on the schedule. Right.
0: so let's see. Let see what I'm getting at in a second. This is quality audio for everyone. You could be looking, Bill, at... I'm going to stall as I scroll through this information.
1: I'll just edit out the empty space.: Oh No, here.
0: God, keep it in. The sound of my voice is just a narcotic to our mm-hmm. listeners. Uh, maybe the famous Idaho Potato Bowl... Yes. um because oh, that's right. The MAC doesn't have a ranking; they just go by like a like they just do like a big this makes sense committee geography thing. Right. <laughs> I was trying to yeah. think. What's the number two bowl for a MAC team? Um, although they probably wouldn't even get that because usually it's a loser. The MAC title would get like I don't know. I mean, we could probably rank these bowls real fast. Idaho Potato Bowl, Dollar General Bowl. Um, I don't even know where that one is. Miami Beach Bowl is at the Marlins Stadium. Bahamas Bowl is in the Bahamas. We know about that one. Camellia Bowl is in Montgomery, Alabama. Quick Lane Bowl I think is Detroit. I think. Um, San Diego County Credit Union is obviously this, it's the first bowl at the Charger Stadium before the Holiday Bowl. And, right. and yeah, that's it. Okay.
1: I I say they just need to go to the Idaho Potato Bowl because that is the the Redemption Bowl. That is the Welcome Back to Living Bowl. That was in 2011. Utah State made their first bowl in forever and went there. Uh, they lost, and then the next year they went back and I won remember. their first bowl in forever. 2014, Air Force came, finished off like they were – in 2013, Air Force was just horrible, had no reason to improve, improved dramatically, and Troy Calhoun lifting the bowl of potatoes over his head was the, uh, the, the crowding uh, uh, of that moment. And then last year, Akron goes to its first game in, uh, in like 10 I mean, years. I kind of wouldn't
0: mind a drunk-ass New Year's Eve with Eastern Michigan involved in the Bahamas.
1: Hell, uh, well, I mean, anything with the Bahamas I'm cool with too. So, yeah, that's what I want. I want either the Bluefield or Bahamas Bowl where, where we're guaranteed absolute well, crazy. Bahamas is the
0: 23rd this year. I apologize. Um, but I'm still fine with that. Uh, what's the New Year's Eve? Oh, okay, that's right. Our New Year's Eve. Christmas Eve Bowl, the one that, excuse not to talk to Family Bowl, is uh, Hawaii Bowl this year, and that is yes. a Cusa, yeah. Mac, Cusa Mountain West. Um, all right, so let's go. You know what? Here's what I want. By the way, the Dollar General Bowl is in Mobile, Alabama at, That's at Peebles Stadium. Um, hmm. Do we want them to win their bowl and go and win nine games this year, or do we just want a good bowl? Like what? Well, if you lose, you have fantasy booking right now.
1: To, if you lose, you're set up to then top yourself next year. Like pull the Utah State, go one year and then win the next year. I don't
0: care about that. I don't care how how bright this flame burns. Or how quickly I, I can't I'm sorry. I don't care how quick the flame burns. I
1: care how bright. A, fr- a, fr- a, uh, a Twitter follower yesterday, by the way, when I mentioned um, EMU odd, that was my favorite part of yesterday's numerical. Was uh, after ranking the mid majors, I then went through and. and pointed out some fun odds like there's a 98% chance that Wake Forest bowls. There's an 82% chance that both Wake and EMU bowl. And there's a 48% chance that Wake, EMU, and Idaho all
0: bowl. That last one would be, that's something else. I'll go to that yeah, bowl. we'll see if makes a bowl.
1: Um, Well, somebody responded to that by saying, like, a long time ago, he promised his, like, EMU, some relative of his that went to EMU, brother-in-law, he he played at EMU, he said that years ago he promised that if they ever made a bowl, we would go, I'm praying for the Bahamas Bowl. That's what our friend Horns Up Texas says.
0: Okay. This is what I got. Miami Beach Bowl would be fun, except it's at a terrible time. It's a Monday afternoon on the 19th of December at 2.30 Eastern. Personally, I don't I think we're staying in Nashville this year for the holidays. I don't know what story I'll be working on, so I don't care. But that's that's always been traditionally my travel time down to the uh baton death march of holiday obligations between Georgia, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Um so I would like to see Eastern Michigan win. I'm gonna go with you because it's in prime time, Thursday, December twenty-second. You'll be standing around talking to some relative that you're not too into. Famous Idaho Potato Bowl against the Mountain West. Who are they going to play? It's in Boise, obviously.
1: Well, here's here's another variable for you. Now, I don't think they would make it, but Hawaii is also three and three right now. Who are you rooting for? If it's Eastern Michigan, Hawaii, and the Potato Bowl,
0: I think I love their coach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I assume like what generally happens with Hawaii is they would then get that Hawaii Bowl bid. That seems to be the the typical situation. Now they might play Nevada's three and three. Um, Colorado State and New Mexico, or well, t- Colorado State's three and three, New Mexico's two and three. Wyoming, oh god, what if it's Wyoming and Eastern Michigan?
0: Oh, well, that's a rematch so, from the season. It was a rematch of an awesome game, I know, but I don't. I think they would try and avoid that, wouldn't they? Actually, no one would care. And, yeah,
1: that's right. They they, they generally t- tend to avoid rematches. I'm not really sure it applies here,
0: mm.
1: especially since Wyoming's so damn
0: close. I really need to be focused more on where's Wyoming going because the Wyoming Cowboys are going bowling this year. And we haven't even talked about it on the show. I'm wearing a Wyoming t-shirt right now as we record this. I have really, really failed. I also thought for sure is my, like, I could abuse my status as what, whatever status I have in this industry and get, like, a, some cool Wyoming swag because their new Nike stuff is awesome. Uh, and I haven't. I don't know if they're not listening, but I'm pissed. I don't, I don't want them to go back to the New Mexico Bowl because that's where they went last time. Um, yeah. I'd be fine with the Vegas Bowl against the Pac-12 team. Get a little pointy. Uh, maybe like, uh, I don't know if Arizona's going to make a bowl, but, um, uh, you know, something like that. Uh, I don't know. I got to devote some time to this. You, get, if you bring Wyoming in. I'm going to start getting emotional. Um, Eastern Michigan. Let's, let's, let's pick them in for them potatoes. Let's, let's go with a point yeah. Idaho potato bowl. It's in prime time. Everybody be watching. I think that's a good, we're going to say Colorado state. That maybe, feels it'll right. so Eastern Michigan maybe it'll Colorado snow. Maybe it'll snow. Yeah.
1: On the blue field. They're used to that. It'll kind of blend into a grayish color. They'll feel right at home.
0: Actually, it doesn't snow a lot in Boise. It's everyone in Boise tells me it doesn't snow as much as it does anywhere else. I think that's why they call it the Sun Valley. Woo! We went from, man, This even for this show, we went from, from like mainstream appeal <laughs> to niche. And, I mean, just hard from one direction to another.
1: And now we've got another hard direction to go that people will care very much about. That? Our team of the week is not a team of the week. Yeah. And
0: that's okay. But the reason it's not a team this week is actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, Our listener, Michael D. Hall, he uh, donated $150. And he said, uh, I see a couple of others have donated $150. Um, I just want to make sure that if I make the cut, I was going to request 15 minutes to spend on a team. But since I'm a Buckeye fan, and you guys talk enough <laughs> about them. I, I'm laughing because I don't think we, we glossed right past <laughs> yeah. Ohio State. I will say this. Here's That's, the deal, Michael, before I can finish your email. Uh, the SB Nation playoff prediction page right now, like where we all have to give our weekly four, Bill and I are the only people in the entire company that have Ohio State number one. So there you go. Okay?
1: Really? I didn't even yeah. notice that. Jeez.
0: also put Alabama fourth because I like to be a dick. Uh, I would request that you and Bill go over what the hell S&P Plus is comprised of, how it works, and maybe do a box score or a team, and how you get to their S&P number. I've read it on the site, but it just doesn't come through to me. That's Michael Hall. Um, Michael, thank you for listening. It looks like you live in Florida, so hopefully you made it out okay last week or survived it or whatever. Um, Look, man, Michael, don't feel stupid, okay? I work with this guy. And I'm faking it most of the time, all right? At least twice a week, I have to take these numbers to Bill and say, am I using them the right way? Because numbers contextually can be deceiving. It's just really even – I mean that's kind of the whole reason, right, that you, you started advanced analytics, Bills, because a lot of old stats and concepts were dumb. The, the context was not – was false, right? Like total yards or time of possession. That's why you started this in the first place. So, uh
1: yeah, so I started it in the first place because um in 2007 I started a Missouri blog, uh Missouri sanity at blogspot.com. Ooh, uh, name. I hated the message boards. Yeah, uh, I hated the message boards. Um and so uh, we started it I believe in February, you know, did basketball stuff, got to the off season and realized like I want I want actual interesting off season content to talk about. Uh so Being that I was a baseball stats guy, I I, being that I didn't, I I I, I've never. It's been a long time since I really enjoyed baseball, and part of that is because I'm a Pirates fan. Uh, But because I'm a Pirates fan, I spent a lot of time with stats, basically trying to tinker and figure out why Pittsburgh would be good within the next five years. Um, But anyway, so the the stat thing obviously connected pretty well with me uh, over time, and I, I had kind of a you know I had spreadsheets. For, for baseball stuff, but I don't really like baseball. I like college football. So it hit me it hit, it hit me that why why am I playing all this with baseball? Why don't I see what's out there as college football uh and and use that for you know content in the offseason about Missouri. Um there was no college football. There there was there was nothing. If there if it existed I probably wouldn't have done it myself. Maybe I would have eventually um but it was never at the start, there it was to basically use what already existed, and nothing did. I think Brian Vermeau at Outsiders he had just started within the last year, and he did drive. You, know, his his is all based on drives, and I've always uh, and I wanted to do play by play stuff. So, uh, took some took some definitions from Football Outsiders. Took a uh, Aaron Schatz's success rate measure. Uh, played around, entered a bunch of data into a spreadsheet, started playing with it, basically Big 12 specific at first, uh, then realized I could do it pretty quickly. And if I started now, I could finish a whole, all of the 2007 season by like, you know, March or something of 2008. And I kept playing with it. Um, s and originally began as the, the S is success rate. Uh, The P is points per play. That was my version of OPS uh, in baseball on base plus slugging percentage and efficiency slash uh, explosiveness measure. That's what it started as, uh, and the original S&P plus rating with very little math grounding. And that's the other thing. I'm good with numbers. I, I did not, I, I, I was a communication major in college. I got an MBA. I learned, I, I learned a million tricks with Excel in, in MBA school and in my first job, but this was never, this was never specifically about stats. It was about using stats to talk about football, um, Anyway, so the original version of that was, uh, you know, I had this S and P like the success rate plus this uh, this uh, equivalent points per play number that I had kind of come up with based on you know every every yard line having a point value, and so instead of yards, you use points, and poof, there you go. Um, It had a pretty rudimentary opponent adjustment attached to it. Uh, It it was based on a little scale where 100 means you're dead average; anything above means you're good. Uh, And I kind of went to work. I started to. I got Aaron's attention at FO. I started writing for uh, Outsiders in 2008. I kind of used this this uh, this approximate formula for a few years. Realized I didn't like it very much. Uh, tinkered constantly with it. Made a humongous change last year, uh, or uh, about a year, and almost two years ago, uh, based on the five factors. Five factors are what I've been doing at Study Hall for a few years. You know, one of the the intru- kind of my biggest like you know. 20,000-foot view kind of uh, statement with college football is that you can basically boil college football down to five things, efficiency and explosiveness, field position, finishing drives, and turnovers. Um, So a couple years ago, I think it was after the – I think it was in the bowl break in 2014, I – hunkered down and tried really hard to figure out like, you know, the factors that are, are more important. What are the, you know, some of the correlations and general weights involved and blah, 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 blah. Now I have a massively useful, uh, convoluted as all hell ra- uh, rating system for S and P, uh, which involves not only efficiency and explosiveness, but you know, the, the, the red zone plays, the scoring opportunity plays count a little more and there are field position factors in there. Um, both, special teams based and not there's a special teams rating that I introduced a couple months ago. Uh, it is a big mess, but the bottom line is that it takes the, all these factors that are important to a given game, um, efficiency, explosiveness, explosiveness, etc offense, defense, special teams. Um, and, and if you go, if you look at the ratings at any given time, it is, pre, is presented on a scale of adjusted points per game. I, I tried to make that as, as, usable as possible like if you go to the s plus ratings currently you see that alabama is plus 29.7 they are number one overall um that means they're 29.7 points above average uh you go all the way down to the bottom you see that texas state is dead last right now at minus 22 they are 22 points below average i because i i think because i like percentiles and i think people kind of grasp that generally i i also predict Uh, Well, and also because that point value is based on in-season ranges. So if I had play-by-play data from 30 years ago, the range wouldn't be as big because the points weren't as prevalent then. Um, I also include a percentile rating so that you can kind of see if we, you know, we all took standardized tests back in the day. You can see that Alabama is in the 99th percentile, Michigan's in the 99th, Ohio State's almost 99th. Um, I th- I think, I could be very wrong, but I think that kind of resonates a little bit with people to where you can kind of understand it a little better. Um, and then you scroll all the way down and you see that Texas State is in the second percentile. Here's what I'm
0: going to do. Okay. Um, right now, I'm go to footballstudyhall.com. Um, Gene, yeah. The, the feature story on the layout is the 2016 College Football Advanced Stat profiles. Okay. So these have been updated yeah. as of October 9th. And I'm just going to pick, Uh, I'm going to pick Penn State. All right. Four and two Penn State. I'm going to click on that. Yep. And yeah, I, I actually really do encourage y'all to do this because the more you learn about these tables and the less scared you are of these tables, the way more informed you're going to be. Um, all right. Speaking to the mic. Sorry. Um, I was typing with both hands. Uh, okay, so we have Penn State. And we've got uh, four and two. Penn State. In case you didn't hear that on the microphone, shout out yeah. to my buddy Corey who mows the lawn and listens to this. And apparently, I don't speak into the mic enough when he's when he's mowing the lawn. You just move around. Well, you know, bit, but that's okay. Whatever. All right. I'm not the smart one. Okay, so we go from left to right on this. So the remaining schedule they've got. Um, or they have a bye week and then they're going into Ohio State. Um, so you have your opposed, uh, opponent's S&P plus rank, that's pretty obvious, win probability of 27%, projected win-loss, projected margin, projected score, and then cumulative projected wins. So for Penn State at Ohio State next week, it says 4.27. Explain that.
1: That is is, they have four wins right now. Uh they have a point two seven chance of winning the next game.
0: So it's just it's
1: it's it's literally just taking the odds of each time. So you get point two seven wins for being having a twenty seven percent against uh Ohio State. They have an eighty seven percent chance against Purdue, therefore it's point eight seven wins
0: okay. on down. So that, that's so, that's good. I thought that was useful. So yeah. the following week, Penn State okay. plays on October twenty yeah. ninth, they play at Purdue. They um, – yeah. Purdue has an, a 90 – they're ranked 90th right now, The uh, their S&P+. Plus. Um, the win probability for Penn State at Purdue is 87%. They're projected to win. You have them projected to win by 19.3 points, and I won't get into that. We'll keep it simple right now. Um, so because you have – so an 87% uh, chance of winning, you add 0.87 to 4.27, and now Penn State has a cumulative yeah. projected win of 514 and we go on and we go right. on until they finish with Michigan State, which, by the way, just, just for conversation's sake, Penn State has an 81% chance to beat Michigan State. That's crazy. Um, Michigan State. Right.
1: Michigan State, You bad.
0: got assy. Uh, so you go through, and that's how, because I just tweeted about this this morning, um, Penn State finishes with a 8.12 cumulative projected wins. So that's how we think that Penn State finishes 8-4, which is where, hi, I'm the journalist. I come in and I measure the tone and the reality of things like athletic departments, the coaches themselves, who's going to get hired or fired based off of that on the staff. And then what's the zeitgeist? How do the people feel about this? This is kind of why I picked Penn State. One, I know the coaching staff well. Two, I know that their fans are insane. And three, they're in a long rebuild. So I look at things like this with Bill and provided the numbers hold. And obviously, look, we get it. It's college football. Purdue could beat Penn State. Penn State could beat Ohio State. Strange things happen. But what Bill's trying to do is grasp a, a predictive – as much of this reality as he can, and then I try and project against that what's going to happen in the non-numerical sense. Does that mean that with 8.19 – okay, I talked to Joe Moorhead back in February about his system. Is his system a success? There will be some statistic backup on that. Obviously, we can go and look, look – like. What Bill does specifically on offense, but then we can also go into Bud's world of recruiting. Well, how much how much time did you know Joe Moorhead have to 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 go in and recruit the kind of receivers and backs and the kind of you know tight ends that he wants to use and 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 mobilize in his offense? How close to it you know from Fordham did he get? Okay, well, what's he going to look for in this next cycle? Who are they competing against regionally for for you know athlete X and Y? And that's how we put it all together. It's not really any more complicated than that. We also make some jokes. We 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 try and create outside perspective, and we try and make you understand it better. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else where I've okay. If you if you're still on the page with us, thank you, uh, Bill. If you're on the page, scroll down to five factors. Yes. This is another thing where people come to me and they're like, "Hey, what's what's he doing? I don't understand." Okay, so you have explosiveness, efficiency, field position, finishing drives, and turnover margin, and those are your five factors that you talked about kind of define the sport right okay yeah all right so let's just skip the names and all that so on explosiveness you have the iso ppp right yes the easiest way for someone to look at this is how so so on explosiveness penn state has an average of 1.42 on offense and 1.26 on defense in 30 seconds in a bar how do you explain that
1: uh, all I, the, honestly, I don't even bother explaining the one, the, the actual number. What I explain okay, is okay. Penn that State is ranked
0: 20th in explosiveness on, and on 70 offense. Yeah, 70 70 defense. Defense. Yeah.
1: So w- when I did the five factor stuff, when I, 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 I try to listen to the feedback, I ignore a lot of it, but I listen to a lot of it. Um, and one of the ideas that came about was instead of measuring explosiveness as a, as a kind of like a points per play yards per play thing, um, Explosiveness really only counts on the successful plays. This is going to be way over 30 seconds, just FYI. Hurry um, So, yeah. So it, it basically looks at the raw explosiveness, that isolated explosiveness, not the, not the plays where you gain four yards. That doesn't really matter. That wasn't one, two, three, four. That, none of that's very explosive. But on the plays where you were quote-unquote successful based on the success rate definition, then what were you gaining? Um, the isolated points per play, then, is, basically means uh, points per play is, is, again, that equivalent points per play thing on, on, you know, talk about, you know, yard lines and whatnot. Uh, the isolated part means it's isolated in only the successful plays. Um, 1.42 technically means on the plays in which you are successful, you average 1.42 equivalent points per play. Um, but it's w- what this did was it really stri- strips all of this into two things. Number one, how frequently are you successful? And then number two, when you are how successful are you and what you find in a lot of these Alabama right now actually uh, this is on these numbers are, are not opponent adjusted these are the raw numbers right now I think Alabama is second in success rate allowed on defense and 126th in ISO PPP because what uh, be, that's like a very Michigan State thing right there they are keeping they're staying near the line of scrimmage they are dominating you near the line of scrimmage but if you do slip like on the once or twice per game that you slip past the line of scrimmage they're not gonna have anybody there that you can actually run a long way and It doesn't matter at all because you're only going to get a couple of them. Um,
0: Efficiency. Success rate is something that's pretty easy. Drive efficiency is something that's pretty easy to understand. I think you get it, right? If you drive 80 yards down the field, and this is the new cliched thing that coordinators tell me all the time is, I don't care if you drive 80 80 yards down the field on us. Did you kick a field goal? Did you turn the ball over? Or did you score a touchdown? Okay. So, Bill, for Penn State, on on success rate, they rank 84th nationally in offense, and they rank 37th on defense. Your national average is 40.7. Yep. Walk me through that.
1: Um, the, so success rate is on first down, are you getting 50% of the yardage uh, that you need to get? On second down, are you getting 70%? And on third or fourth down, are you getting 100
0: Because 100%, that's um, what Bill determines that you, that's considered to be a successful play. People have asked me about those percentages right. before. You need all the 50, yardage. Every play is If a it's yes third and seven, you need all seven of those yards to keep going. Yeah. Now, there are, I mean, obviously,
1: this is intended to be very, very generalized. Obviously, there are situations where, you know, if you're at the opponent's 35, getting six yards on third and seven is probably a a quote-unquote success because now you can go for it on fourth and one. Uh, So there is that, but this is intended to be very, very, very general. Uh, You know, again, 20,000. Yes, I I would throw in real fast.
0: In Texas, some of the air raid guys off the Briles tree, they consider – they put third down offenses out on first down because they want to get more than five yards. I think eight is what a lot of them are trying to aim for on first down. They would much rather see see second and ten than second and five, if that makes sense.
1: And and every coaching staff has their own kind of definition for this, and I think I've confused some of them. I've talked to uh, some coaches that really they've always considered getting four yards on first down the uh, the goal, not five. Um, But what I did here was – What I wanted to do was define things to where your success rate is basically the same on first, second, and third down. So on third down, it's generally between 40 and 45 percent. That meant I needed to find where the line was for being between 40 and 45 percent on second down and first down as well. Uh, and that, so it meant tweaking that bar to where it was 50% on first down and 70 on second. I think the pro numbers, since I got this from, uh, the pro side of football outsiders, those pro numbers are a little bit different, but it's 50 and 70 and a hundred. Right, we're trying college. to
0: get into, I think, uh, uh, we can go a little faster because people grasp these concepts a little bit more. And by the way, if you want us to talk more about something, or if you want me to walk through with something with bill, or whatever, just. All you got to do is donate $150. Definitely we are raising money for charity. But just (laughs) holler at us. And and we can can come back to this. And as we approach, one of the things that I want to do, having talked to Bill about this, is revisit these numbers very early on in the offseason and then after Bill gets some time to crunch through and kind of define success for teams that didn't necessarily win the national title or their conference. But, uh, again, Penn State is a great example. Are they on their way up? You know, we can look in broad, broad-stroke terms of okay. Well, they got a new OC and they're doing this. Okay, they've had to fill this in because of recruiting and scandal. But on the football side of it, are, is a program that's accelerating in wins from what, seven and six, seven and six. Let's say they finish eight and four. Are they actually progressing? So that's something fun we can do. So ask us questions. It's not going to piss me off, and I'm the one who has to filter through and and try and figure out how to. Because, again, I'm the guy who asks all these questions to Bill, so don't don't feel like you're alone in this. I'm stupid, too. Um, okay, so field position is field position, right? Penn State on field position, yes. uh, they rank 14th in the country on offense and 76 on defense. Um, field position, I assume, literally means the average of 30, 33.9 on offense means that they yeah. start on average on the 33.9-yard line. Okay. Yeah.
1: Which, mean, which is really, this is where it kind of gets weird to, like, who do you evaluate with that? That means you're basically evaluating your defense for being efficient and your special teams for get, creating that 33.9, you know? It, it gets a little blurry here, but uh, I figure it's worth the blur. So, yeah, they start at the 14, which means their defense is giving them very good field position. Uh, they, their opponents start at the 29.5, which is, at, which is pretty mediocre. And what you see there, too, is Penn State ranks 84th in success rate and 20th in big plays. That means they're not very efficient at all. That means they're going three and out quite, quite a bit, but they make up for it with a lot of big running plays. Um, that's not optimal. Optimal is kind of almost if you have one or the other, you want to choose the opposite where you're consistently getting five, six yards uh, and, and maybe not creating a lot of big plays because at the very least, then you're doing good things for field position. Versus all right. Defense.
0: Uh, finishing drives. This is something that was born. Um, I mean, it wasn't born in Bill's brain out of this, but again, to go back to Texas and to go back to that big 12 culture Um, coordinators have started to talk about finishing drives is so much more important because when you look at a 49 to 45 game or a 52 to 50 game um, and let's say both offenses have put up similar numbers of let's say one puts up 650 yards one puts up 610 yards well where do you start trying to figure out what one one you or lost you the game it's usually that simple i'm in really simple mode here it's how you finish a drive. So on um, Bills yep. finishing drive stats, it says uh, points per trip inside the forty. So Penn State they're seventy fifth in offense in the country. They're forty fourth uh, on defense. Um, they average okay. So so the number here says Penn State averages four point six nine. What is that number?
1: That's points per trip inside the forty. And what and, and that that has a caveat too. It's actually it's what I call scoring opportunities, which means you got a first down inside the opponent's forty. That was actually a Bob Shoop adjustment nice. by the way. Shout out to Bob uh, Shoup. to clarify that because. Because then if you you get like, you know, if you get to the 39, if you get a first down at like the 47, it's not a scoring opportunity. And then you get to the 39, technically you're inside, but it's fourth down and blah, blah, blah. It's not very good. First down inside the 40, though, that kind of starts your scoring opportunity. Um, And yes, if you score on an uh, an 80-yard pass, that technically counts as a trip inside the 40. Uh, You finished it very well. So um, that does count.
0: Turnover margin. So, anyway. Pretty simple to explain <laughs> here. Uh, so, yes. um, uh, oh wow, Penn State, 121st in the nation in turnover margin, negative 3.93. Expected turnover margin. Okay, yeah. so this is where I was going to get. Expected, yeah. actual, and turnover luck. Yeah. All right, what's expected?
1: Okay, so actual is easy enough to explain. Expected basically means there is randomness in turnovers, and the amount that you, um, as we've seen with Tennessee this year, uh, – there, there. Every time you fumble, it's a turnover opportunity. Uh, every time they fumble, it's a turnover opportunity. Every time a defender gets a, a hand on a pass, it is technically a turnover opportunity because you don't know where it's going to bounce after that. So the expected number is based on two things. 50% fumble recoveries. That's a, That's a little broad because technically if you fumble 30 yards downfield, the defense is more likely to recover it because there are likely to be more defenders there. There's a little bit of a curve there, but just generally speaking, I look at 50% fumble recoveries and then um, are about 22% of your passes defensed, which is interceptions plus breakups uh, on, on average, about 22% of those are going to be interceptions. Sometimes you get super lucky and and you just can't drop one all year. You end up with like 40%. Sometimes you're like Wisconsin's defense had like three straight years where they were like 6%. Um, Overtime, that will wreck. You will gravitate towards twenty two percent. So that expected number basically looks at all fumbles and all passes defensed and says, on average, this would result in a turnover margin of X. And then it compares compares that to the actual turnover margin. All right. So that means turnover luck is that difference. So their uh, expected turnover margin for Penn State is minus three point nine. Mm-hmm. Actual is minus two. So they've they've lucked out. They've been one point nine turnovers in the in the what is that in the black in the red yeah, uh, in the black in the black. In the black. Um, turnovers on average, based on field positions where, where the offense ends and where the defense starts after the turnover, uh, on average, that's worth about five points in terms of field position. Uh, so therefore I take that difference that 1.9 I multiply by 5 which is about 7.8 and I divide or I guess about 8 and then I divide it by the number of games they've played and that's how you get 1.6 the turn, Penn State has been plus 1.6 turnover turnover luck points per game
0: boom Boom. So that's five factors. That's S&P+. plus. Um, there's a ton more stuff I'm sure you guys have questions about. I do encourage you, now that you know what these numbers mean, to go check out footballstudyhall.com. Again, it's just click on. It's, it's a picture of the cadet corps at A&M. Um, click on that stat profile. Take a look at your team. It's going to make you feel probably, I don't know if it's better or worse, depending on who your damn team is, but it'll definitely make you feel more informed.
1: So really quickly, obviously, we're kind of we're running out of time here, but uh, I did want to throw out a box score bingo. It's actually a good one for this conversation. So let's do it. Yes. So I will include the link at the SB Nation post. We're looking at UCLA or we're looking at Arizona State 23, UCLA 20. Um, If you go to those stat profiles at, at Football Study Hall and you click on Arizona State's or UCLA's, I have that in front of me. you will see see a box score. It is a screen capture box score. I'm basically MacGyvering the hell out of our uh, content management system to get all this information up uh, because our content management system doesn't like tables very much at this point. Uh, I went with screenshots from Excel. Uh, Whatever, it counts, and it's fine, uh, even if it looks kind of trashy. So you click on that. You see that Arizona State had a win expectancy in this game of 22%. Uh, basically that win expectancy figure is it looks at the success rate, it looks at your finishing drives, it looks at all the factors that go into winning a game, and basically says that on average you would have won this specific game with these stats 22% of the time. So Arizona State was kind of lucky to win this game, and then you can kind of look into why. And, and, and at first glance it's hard to tell because at UCLA averaged almost two more yards per play than Arizona State. Arizona State was a paltry uh, in, in yards per play and success rate. Uh, you see that UCLA created more scoring opportunities, 7-6. to six. Uh, You see that UCLA had turnovers luck. The the, the expected turnover margin in that game was Arizona State plus 2, and it was only plus 1. Um, and so you look at this game, and it looks like, well, okay, uh, Arizona State must have won. But for one reason or another, Arizona State had a massive t- field position advantage, almost 9 yards per possession, and they finished, finished their drives, uh, their six scoring opportunities. They averaged 3.8 points per opportunity, which isn't very good, uh, but they allowed only 2.8, or 2.9 to UCLA. And so that field position and that finishing drives won this game for for Arizona State uh, it when it, it otherwise it should – pretty clearly have been a UCLA win. Josh Rosen throws for 400 yards. Brady White throws for 179. Um, you know, DeMario, Richard, and Kalen uh, Ballage had only like three yards per carry. The Arizona State defense just did not work, and UCLA's defense, by the way, is very good. Um, but Arizona State won anyway because they took better advantage of their opportunities, and they ended up with much better field position.
0: Do you think, by and large, you find people search out more advanced numbers when you have a game like this that, okay, just obviously I didn't watch this game, but when I see a close score between two teams, that you, it, neither, neither team winning would have surprised me. This is really kind of where advanced stats, would you agree, like they really kind of come into play because yeah, it's very hard to, again, if you didn't see the game, you, you can't just make a kind of fan in the stands eyeball like, hey, man, they're just more physical on defense or something more right. generic than that. You want to try and figure out the why. This is going to be your best path.
1: Yeah. And when we click on here, we see that, you know, Arizona State started with a drive at the UCLA 23 because of a fumble. They started to drive at the four because of an interception. They started to drive at the UCLA 32 because of another interception. Um, we see that turnovers really played a massive role in this game. Not only that they existed, that they, uh, created great field position for Arizona state. And that is random. Even if it's a mistake, a clear mistake on the offense, the defense doesn't have to hold on to the ball. You know, there are, there turnovers are random to a certain degree. And so basically I like pulling this game up for this one because, um, UCLA moved up from 24th to 21st in S and P plus this week, despite hey. losing to a, re- a relatively iffy Arizona state team. And I love UCLA fans. I, usually we get it like I, when Penn State jumped all the way to 17th this week, I got you know er, fans of every single rival of Penn State saying that's, that's a bunch of crap. Uh, I got feedback from UCLA fans saying that was a bunch of crap because we suck. Uh, I had to point out very politely, uh, actually, no, your defense is very, very good. And it is uh, you are unlucky to lose to Arizona State, and which, of course, appeases them greatly. Like, well, okay, as long as we were unlucky, I, I guess I'm totally happy. Um, <laughs> that, that, that does not happen at all. But basically, at UCLA at this point has been—you um, know—they barely lost A and M on the road. That's a good loss. They bear, they should have beaten Arizona State. Um, they, aside from the Stanford game, which is not very excusable, they have played like a top twenty-five team for most of the year, uh, and that's why they are in the top twenty-five despite a three-and-three record
0: and a really good defense
1: really good defense the offense i know you say other fans hate their offense you know first time offensive coordinator etc can't really defend it they're only 40th and when you've got josh rosen that probably shouldn't be the case they they're terrible wretched at running the ball this year uh so clearly they are very they are limited because of that but well, their, their defense is awesome
0: so let's put a pin in that real fast or no, not a pin i, I want to branch off um this is hopefully by the way i just realized we didn't do the show intro but whatever this is that marriage of numbers and words because Jim Mora feasibly has a lot of options. It's UCLA. It's a power five program. He chose to go with the first time coordinator yeah, and he has Josh Rosen.
1: Yeah.
0: And he has a really good defense. Yeah. So why not maybe strike with something a little more of the moment, uh, a little yeah. bit more of an established commodity. That's so great. when <laughs> I hear that, from yeah. when I hear that from you in an analytical sense, that makes me want to go seek that out in a uh, in a coaching sense in, in, within the community. Ask why didn't Moore do this? Is it because he couldn't find anybody that he liked? Is it because of what Mazzoni left him, or just what they had, they they wanted to deviate just a little bit from what he had? Is he a dick of a boss? That's that's where we get into the intangibles. And right now, I I don't have that answer. Is Two outs of Sopo? is, that,
1: is yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, and he was relatively well regarded. He just hasn't been an offensive coordinator yet. So at the very least, it is interesting and and so you know and that's the other thing with these stats i can point out ucla is probably fine overall they should still be a lot better because you know they're, they're, you know hiring bradley for the defense has been awesome and this year it's all kind of come together now that they actually have health on defense uh but their offense should absolutely be better than that so more missed an opportunity even if they were like four and two or five and one uh with this talent with this defense and that quarterback you should probably expect more than ranking 21st right now so that's pro- that that is still imperfect for ucla
0: seems about right for Jim Moore though. All right, we learned a lot today, Bill.
1: That's right. And we 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 we're, we're quickly approaching the 85 minute mark as well.
0: Yeah, which is a good time to to sign it off only because I have to go run and do things. You have to go probably run and do things I assume. Um Uh man, okay. So I didn't do the show intro, so we just do the show close. You can follow Bill <laughs> at SPN <laughs> underscore Bill C. Um you can follow me at 38 Godfrey. Check out our GoFundMe campaign. All of what we talked about today is going to be accessible again on the page at spnation.com. That's where we work. Please go visit that website too. Um, uh, oh, uh, a couple of house cleaning items. We've had some upload issues because all of Vox Media's podcasts are migrating to some servers that are new, um,
1: park19.com. So uh, leave it at that. Yeah. So please. The RSS got screwed up the first time around. Hopefully this one won't
0: pardon our progress. That's all I got to say. The SoundCloud link will always be up off Twitter. Let me say this person. I'm someone who listens to a lot of podcasts because I do a lot of driving to these wonderful football stadiums, which I guess I got to go to Knoxville. Um, I, I know it sucks because sometimes the sound, SoundCloud links off of Twitter can be unruly when you're in mobile. If you pause it, if you go back, if you go from LTE over to Wi-Fi. I know that personally. It sucks. I get that. Um, so we're going to have it back on as many services as – or I guess all the services that we used to, Android, Apple, Stitcher, all that stuff, um, as soon as we can. And they should be –
1: well, let's put it this way. I disconnected for the the Art Nineteen link for now, so this 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 episode should go up just fine. But eventually, we have to go back over, and it might screw up again then.
0: I'll check live right now because it, look, I, I I don't make light of this. Like, okay, yeah. So we have not had an update. So so the recap show on Sunday night never made it to iTunes. That sucks. I know it sucks. I'm sorry. It pisses me off tremendously when my shows that I listen to do that. We will figure it out. It's just an internal thing. We're migrating right now. Really, hopefully, it means like we're going to start – I think we're going to have a little bit – I know I'm getting a better mic soon, Um, so shout out to everybody who complains about my mic. And we um, need to
1: figure out this theme music thing. We've got it. We need to We have yes, we have
0: some theme music. I think we we also have to go through some new production stuff too. Um I don't know what all is entailing with that. And then um once the actual regular season ends, of course, because this is how our timing works, I think I will have a logo for us. So, you know, it's whatever. We're organized. I feel like this show thrives better in the off season anyway. I feel like we're just running breakneck to keep up with everything during the season. And then for the nine months that other people are like, there's no football on. We're like, yeah, but remember week three in northern Illinois? We do. So uh, we're not going anywhere. We may even keep twice a week up during the offseason. I, I haven't pitched that to Bill. I just scared the man. I just scared the man.
1: Well, eventually we have to get to all the interviews we said we would do. So Exactly. We we'll
0: do it. an interview show and then an us show. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. Hey, we start making start making some dollars off this thing now. <laughs> that's not why we do this, believe me. Um, okay, so we will be back with, uh, uh, on Sunday for a recap show. Check out um, Bill's piece on Florida LSU. Check out my piece on Florida LSU. Hopefully we'll be back Sunday to talk about something that isn't Florida and LSU related, uh, unless it's football, which we're okay with that. So we'll see you Sunday sounds good